Welcome to The Foundry, where leaders are forged daily. Each week, we investigate themes of leadership, entrepreneurship, and mindset with some of the greatest minds in real estate. And now, the data scientist of real estate, George Roberts. Welcome back, entrepreneurs. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Sari Ibrahim, founder of Financial Asset Protection and the Thinking Like a Bank podcast. We will be discussing the infinite banking concepts and how you can use it to grow your wealth. Welcome to the show, Sari. Hey, George. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. So you are you know, not just an investment advisor, but also an entrepreneur. And I know that you founded uh, Financial Asset Protection is the name of your company. So can you give us some tips about people who are trying to grow a business scale? What are some of the pitfalls that you found along the way and what did you do to overcome those hurdles? Yeah, there's a lot a lot of pitfalls, right? I'd say number one, have a, a, a business plan, review the business plan daily. This is where I think a lot of entrepreneurs also make mistakes is that they want the business plan to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect, right? But you want to have an idea of what you believe in, where what your vision is for your company, what your vision is as far as your company and the world. Like, how do you see it affecting or changing people? And then you want to revisit that every single day. So that way you don't get sidetracked with other opportunities, other investments, things that will pull you away. I've noticed that for myself, as well as a lot of other clients I work with who are entrepreneurs, that was probably the biggest thing that held them back were, was other opportunities, other things that came their way that took them away mm -hmm. from what they were working on. So if you revisit your priorities, if you re revisit your goals, your vision every single day and, and really cement it into your business, it's going to be very difficult for you to leave and go to something else. But then it goes to the other thing and another argument might come up and say, well, what if your business is not working out or your strategy is not working out? Yeah. Should you not pivot? And the answer is, yeah, right. absolutely, you should pivot, but I think you should still pivot and still remain. The vision should still stay the same. Um, but the strategies you do, the methods you apply, the marketing strategies, the people you work with, the clients you work with, investors, yeah, obviously those things are going to change, but your vision has to remain the same. And, you, and your vision has to constantly be uh, revisited because it's very possible for you to forget your vision one day and then maybe remember it a month later or a year later. So constantly coming back to your vision. Another thing, another thing too I would recommend for entrepreneurs is get very, very good at your numbers. Know how much you make, know how much you spend, know your, um, like be your best CFO that you have. Um, your accountant is not going to be able to do that for you. You're not, your accountant is not going to be able to, you know, understand all the numbers like you. They might just have highlight, the, the highlight of your numbers, like the amount of taxes you'll pay, the, your, your overall expense ratio. Uh, but you know your numbers better than anyone. So get really comfortable with looking at your numbers every day. Uh, tracking your debt, tracking other things. And then it connects to your vision, right? Like, what are you really trying to accomplish? And it helps move that forward. And then of course, getting a, getting a mentor, that's a big one too, right? Like I've had many mentors, life coaches, business coaches. It makes a huge difference. It could be the reason why you succeed or don't succeed is, you know, having somebody that, someone that can give you not just advice, but give you the freedom to think and believe in yourself and test things out. Uh, that those I think those three things are critical for any any small especially especially as a new small business owner. Oh, I know nobody just up and decides to become an entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, someone in your life, there's got to be an influence. So, who would be your greatest influence as an entrepreneur? Is it a family member or maybe somebody a little more distant, somebody more famous? 
I mean, yeah, definitely. You know, my wife has really supported me. Um, uh, like like probably like many other wives, probably not fully supportive of the idea of entrepreneurship right away, uh, because there's a lot of risk involved. But my wife's, you know, helped me out and and pushed me. And now I've kind of put myself in a situation that I can't go back. I can't leave entrepreneurship. Right? I've kind of, I've kind of gone too far. And that's another lesson I've learned is like you want to be in that situation. You want to keep going too far to the point where it's you know it's too late to turn back now because you've already committed so much. You've already put so much. Burn the ships. <laughs> <laughs> right right burn burn the shift exactly yeah so yeah definitely i do everything i'm doing now for my wife and my son and you know that's really my motivation really keeping me pushing me. and at this point it's almost before i was married before i had a, a son um it was there was a lot of motivation there but it was kind of like uh imaginary motivation now it's real motivation it's the the, the ships have been burned there's a mortgage <laughs> there are expand there, there are real priorities now that need to be addressed I love it. So, so to summarize so far, it sounds like uh, beware the shiny object syndrome, yeah. but uh, don't be afraid to pivot. And uh, you want to go find that supportive partner and make sure that, uh, yeah, best way to, to move things forward there. So what, what would some advice that you give your younger self? Yeah, my younger self, you know, take risks, take calculated risks. Don't worry. Um, that was a big thing that I did, you know, starting off, I worried a lot. Um, I stress off, I stress about a lot of things. And I think that as long as your, um, your intentions are good, your logic is there, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're planning, you're doing things for a good cause for good things. Uh, just go all the way, right. keep going, go big. Uh, but again, in a, in a calculated risk way, don't take pure risks where pure risks are, you're taking on risks, unnecessary risks that, that, that they don't necessarily have any rewards, but take on risks where the reward is potential. And then uh, how would you say you had to grow or change to reach your current level of success? Yeah, definitely. Um, how I had to change, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of many different ways, right? There's a, a lot of paradigm shifting, right? A lot of th things that when it's, it's so crazy, when you are growing up and you're going through the traditional educational system, and then you start a business, it's like, it's like day and night, they're different. They're very different. So that was a big thing. You have to, you have to not only learn things, you have to unlearn a lot of things as an entrepreneur. You have to realize that most people, unfortunately, are not entrepreneurs. They don't understand entrepreneurship. So you need to be very cautious about where you get advice from and who you get advice from. And then you also want to really focus on process over result. This is something that I think this is a huge one because we're kind of taught, you know, you want to do things and then get the result. And if the result isn't there, what's the point of doing the process? Entrepreneurship is an example of that. You want to do the process. You want to stick through it, learn from it. Uh, get the investment experience from it, the actual experience from it. And the result is important, of course, because the result is typically the financial reward or the uh, the asset or the income or the thing that you get from it, usually the financial reward you get from it. Uh, but the process is even more important because the process is transferable and can be applied in any situation. Well, what's your number one productivity hack? Uh, number one productivity hack is um, time blocking and then only doing one thing at a time, regardless of how busy I am. I only do one thing at a time. And it's a proven fact that you actually get more things done doing one thing at a time. I saw a video one time where a guy took a, a YouTube video and the guy took, um, a line, he drew a line. And on the top of the line, he said, um, he was, what's faster to write a through Z on the top line. And then one through 26 on the bottom line, or to do a, and then one, B and then two and then C and then three and so on all the way to Z. Uh, it's three times faster to do A through Z and then one through 26. And the reason why 
is because it takes time for your brain to shift from task to task, from, from one area to another area. So you're going from letters to numbers, numbers, letters, back and forth. That's going to take time. So do one task at a time and then don't go move on to the next task, task until that one is 100% complete. All right. Well, how about just one more on that tack? Uh, how do you think about failure? Yeah, I think it's a lesson, right? You have to. You, you, failure is not so much of like you get a you take a test and then you get an F on it. That in, we're, we're trained that that's kind of like the the, the end of the road, right? Um, in business, you need ten Fs to get to maybe a C, and then another ten Cs just to get to a B, and then so on. So uh, entrepreneurship is definitely full of failures and. It's gonna. You, it's very difficult to judge the success of something just off of one failure. It's not enough conclusive data or evidence to suggest that something works. You're not just based off of one attempt. Right. Never give up too early. Yeah. Well, uh, I think before we head into the rapid fire round, just a couple more quick questions about the infinite banking concept. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it does take time for people to begin to to think like a bank, and you know, some of the, as you mentioned, some of the richest people in our country and the world have actually used this to pass on uh, their wealth. Mm -hmm. So, what do you, what do you think is the mindset shift that people need to uh, to undergo to really understand how the wealthy think about money, how do they protect their assets, mm -hmm. and how they should manage their money like the rich do? Yeah, there's a there's a big difference, right, in the way that the top one percent think about money and and do with their money than everyone else. And I think it has a lot to do with how we're trained, right? Like we're trained put money in the stock market, max out your four hundred one k, max out your IRAs, you know, pay off your mortgage, um, you know, the these conventional things, which are good, right? In some situations, they are helpful, they're good, but they're not necessarily enough. Um, there needs to be kind of a a, a not so, you know. One of my favorite podcasts is Not Your Average Financial Podcast by Mark Willis. It's actually one of my favorite. It's, he's, he's my mentor, actually, Mark Willis. So check out that podcast as well. And I just like the idea of his concept, Not Your Average. That's how you want to think about money. You want to be not average. You don't want to just be like everyone else. And I think that's how the top 1%, 1% think. They're not thinking like everyone else. They're thinking of different ways of passing on wealth, of growing companies in a way that has nothing to do with the herd, Right. Uh, thinking like the herd or thinking with the herd is actually can lead to cognitive errors and cognitive biases. Uh, it's actually mentioned in the CFP, the Certified Financial Planner program, that those are actual real cognitive errors, meaning you can make mistakes. You can make competency mistakes based off of how other people think. If you're judging your finances based off of people around you, what's common, what's not so common, what's popular. And social media has obviously exactly when you see your not so smart neighbor next door making a ton of money, <laughs> the uh, the tendency is to just pile into the same internet stocks, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, that's probably the number one cause of, of of crashes, right? People investing in the same things, and then they all they all go up together and they all come down together. So yeah, you're mm -hmm. thinking very differently. You're not thinking average. You're thinking outside the box, outside of what a bank tells you, what you know your neighbor tells you what your traditional financial advisor tells you that is, I think, I think crucial. Yeah. You know, that reminds me uh, just many years ago, back when Bitcoin hit this hugely uh, new high, I think it just doubled over what it was like a year before. And all of a sudden all throughout the halls, I hear everybody is investing in crypto. <laughs> it's a yeah. little bit of a red flag for me. 
not going to tell people what to do or not to do here. But uh, yeah, when you hear everybody all of a sudden talking about something, and then when it went back down, all the chatter ceased. So uh, clearly, I think we are sort of programmed to run with the herd and mm-hmm. uh, can be very detrimental. Okay. What, what do you think is the number one issue stopping people from starting a new life with the infinite banking concept? Yeah, there's a lot of negative things. If you Google right now, whole life insurance, right? A lot of, you, you'll find more negative than positive. That's a mm-hmm. big one too. Um, there, and then the references, like I've, I've had clients before uh, email me and say, hey, what is this about? You know, after, after they've got, a, a, or they're in the process of getting a whole life policy, we've met a couple of times, they even they email me a link saying like, hey, what is this about? And the entire link is all false. And it's not just my opinion, right. it's false. I could, yeah. I could send the client- Right, uh, document it. Document, I could send a client an illustration and do side by side and say, point one is wrong because of this, point two is wrong because of this. So that's a big reason why a lot of people are not using the strategy. There's a lot of false information about this. And it's too time consuming, right? To, I think people are, yeah, it's too time consuming to talk to an advisor, talk to multiple advisors and right. Google and compare things. Uh, I think people need a more, like investing in real estate is a very um, known strategy, right? You don't need to convince me that putting money in a multifamily building or a home is going to be lucrative. I know it is. You know, we were kind of programmed to think that way because it's a tangible right. asset. You know, but with whole life insurance, it's literally just uh, words and contracts and, and documents. So it's going to be very difficult to kind of grasp that. But it is a proven strategy. It's not my opinion. And it's not something I invented either. One of the companies we worked with was founded in 1905. And they've been right. paying dividends every single year since 1905. Now, what happened between 1905 and 2023? How many crashes did we have? How many... Yeah. How many does that financial disasters do we have between 1905 and now? So that's what people need to understand. Right, very true. And people use it all throughout the financial space. A lot of real estate investors love it. You you know, you do a deal, you get some money, you can put in the policy. Guess what? You get to borrow it back later. A lot of uh, really cool ways to use it, not just for real estate, but whatever sort of uh, means you are using to build your wealth. And uh, if I could just add one more, it's it's not simple, right? I mean, it's a lot easier to just go out and invest in a whole bunch of Google stock yeah. uh, or Apple or uh, get a certificate of deposit and just know you're safe and you yeah. understand it. It definitely takes some time to, uh, to wrap your brain around this, to convince yourself that it's real, that it works, and to understand how it's going to work for you. But that's what this show is all about. Uh, we are all about helping people understand some of these more complex mm-hmm. financial instruments so that you can hopefully go out there, pick what's right for you and make it happen. So uh, I think with that, let's head into the challenging rapid fire round. Sari, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. All right. If you could be known for only one thing, what would it be? The financial problem solver. What is the greatest lesson in leadership you've learned as an entrepreneur? You have to be willing to be responsible and liable for things. What personal characteristic has been most pivotal to your success? Personal character, uh, not taking things personally. All right. Outstanding. Now we'll slow it down for a second. I'm just going to look out a random card. Just let me know when to stop cutting the deck. Okay. You can stop. All right. Top card. 
is it more essential to develop beliefs or gain knowledge? Beliefs for sure, because that's how we run as humans. We run based off of our beliefs, not our knowledge. I love it. You always get the knowledge later. But if you're, you're pointed in the wrong direction, doesn't matter how fast you run. Can you name a book that has helped afford you as a leader or as an entrepreneur and why? Uh, I mean, for sure, if you can see right here, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, that's it a, looks like you got the cash flow game right beside it. So we yeah. have uh, two purple items. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And then, and then a couple other ones, you know, like I, I really liked Who Not How. Um, it really not only changed me as an entrepreneur, uh, gave me the guidance as an entrepreneur, but also just thinking logically. Right? Like if I want to do something now, I'm not going to think of how to do it myself or the, or the thing. I'm going to think of the who behind it, who can help me do it. Right. Yeah. You talk about pivoting earlier here. Let me just throw in my favorites uh, yeah. on that topic is the... Uh, Lean Startup by Eric Ries. Mm -hmm. So love that point you made. Yeah, definitely. Too many startups failed to pivot. Bad, bad move. What's mm -hmm. the biggest hurdle you've overcome in your business in the last year? And what did it teach you? Yeah, biggest hurdle in business. Um, let's see. I think that so over a year ago, I kind of struggled with uh, growing my practice, getting more, uh, helping more people. And the way that I helped, the way the kind of pivot around that was stick to our system. Our system involves going on podcasts, just like this, guest appearances, um, sticking to content creation, which is our podcast, Thinking Like a Bank, uh, and just kind of sticking with that system. It works, you know? So that was kind of the realization I had was stick to the system. It works. Um, that was the biggest probably shift over the last year. We've seen a big, huge increase in taking on new clients. Um, so that's obviously very important with a small when you're a small business owner. And then I think for for next year, I have no idea what's going to come. The next challenge, probably, I think I, I do know the challenge now. Actually, it's hiring, having an administrative uh, person that could take on more of the things that I'm doing. That's the next pivot. Still haven't accomplished that yet, but that's the next thing on my plate. Great. Can you send us out with a quote to help forge our listeners as leaders and entrepreneurs? Yeah, quotes. Hmm. Okay, so Mark Twain said that. A banker is a fellow who will loan you his umbrella when the sun is shining, but wants it back the second it starts raining. So uh, the point of the story, the point of that quote is never rely on banks. Uh, be your own banker if you can. And uh, yeah. That's too good. All right. Well, here, one bonus question, because you did mention your podcast, and I always like to honor fellow podcasters. So tell us about the Thinking Like a Bank podcast, uh, what you're trying to accomplish, and what it's done for your business. Exactly. Thanks for that. So it's it's called Thinking Like a Bank. It's meant to share strategies and principles that banks use that you could apply in your life and you can find financial freedom that way. We've brought on we brought on guests who are uh, accountants, lawyers who talk about saving strategies, who talk about saving on taxes, protecting your assets, growing your wealth, uh, side hustles, every, every, anything to do with getting you closer to financial freedom. That's what the show talks about. Check it out. It's I think we're episode almost episode one oh nine now, um, and yeah. And if you want to be a guest on the podcast, let me know. I'd love to interview you, George, on my podcast. But yeah, so check out the podcast, Thinking Like a Bank. That's outstanding. I would love that. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, just one final question: We have to make sure that our listeners know how to reach out to Sari Ibrahim. Yeah. So best way, easiest way, thinkinglikeabank.com. Go to the website, thinkinglikeabank.com. You can download a book. You can check out our podcast. You can email me, connect with me on LinkedIn. Everything happens at thinkinglikeabank.com. All right. Outstanding. Thank you so much for taking your time to share your knowledge and experience with our audience, Sari. Thank you.